Thank you for listening to an audio resource from Stanwich Church located in Greenwich and Stamford, Connecticut. The vision of Stanwich Church is to know Christ and make Him known. The Gospel lesson for today is from Matthew chapter 9, verse 18 through 26. This can be found on page 967 of your Pew Bible. Jesus continues to demonstrate his power over sickness and even death in today's reading. A reading from Matthew, chapter 9, beginning with the 18th verse. While he was saying these things to them, behold, a ruler came in and knelt before him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. And Jesus rose and followed him with his disciples. And behold, a woman who had suffered from a discharge of blood for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. For she said to herself, if I only touch his garment, I will be made well. Jesus turned and seeing her, he said, take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. And when Jesus came to the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the crowd making a commotion, he said, go away, for the girl is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But when the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took her by the hand, and the girl arose. And the report of this went through all that district. May God add his blessing to the reading of his holy word. It was 2014, it was a Saturday night before Easter Sunday around six o'clock. I just finished a five mile run and I'd come home and I saw my three kids in our trampoline. So as any good dad would, I jumped into the trampoline with them and I decided to double balance my daughter Caroline. She was 10 years old at the time. And for those of you who don't know what double balancing is, it's when you jump next to somebody on the trampoline with the intention of shooting them higher than they would on their own. So I went to double balance my daughter to shoot her up in the air. And when I did that, her leg snapped. And she went down and she broke her femur. So in your leg, you have the big femur bone on top above the kneecap and below it, you have your fibula and your tibula. This was her femur, and it was right above the kneecap that it broke. And when she went down, I saw the break, and I saw that she went into shock, and for me, it was traumatic. Now, I just broke my daughter's leg, so that's why it was traumatic for me. Yes, it was an accident, but it was still traumatic for me. And so I yelled out for my wife, Melissa, to come, and I picked up my daughter, and I fed her through the net to my wife, and we rushed her to the Greenwich emergency room, and it was so bad that Greenwich said, we're going to have to take take her to New York City, because they couldn't do it there. So we put her back in the ambulance and went to New York City, and they ended up putting three nails about that long into her femur to set it. Now, seeing all this, 
I just felt this massive desperation come over me. Just real desperation. And the desperation was, I just wanted her pain to go away, and I wanted her leg to be healed. So in today's passage in the Gospel of Matthew, we see two stories that are sandwiched together of desperate people in need of being saved and a story of how Jesus responds to people in their desperation. So go ahead and open your Bibles to Matthew 9. We're going to start with verse 18. If you have them open, great. If you don't, go ahead. We're going to read together. Matthew chapter 9, starting with verse 18. While he was saying these things to them, behold, a ruler came in and knelt before him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. It says a ruler came and knelt before Jesus. So I want to just focus on this ruler for a moment. We're reading Matthew's version of it, but we also read about this two stories in Mark 5 and Luke 8. Mark 5 and Luke 8 are the extended versions, so we get a lot more information out of what happened and who the ruler was. This ruler was not a priest, but he was an administrator of the synagogue. So he did have authority, and he was important. He fell at Jesus' feet, as one would to a king. This action was reserved on very rare occasions for great men or before God in prayer time. For this ruler Jairus to kneel, he would have had to recognize who Jesus was and his power to heal. He would have also had to humble himself greatly, especially because the Pharisees and his associates were around and they would have seen him, they would have been watching him. Also, this effort was um, typically not reserved for the daughter. It was reserved for the firstborn son where the man would get desperate on his knees. It was typically the mom who would intervene on behalf of the daughter. This act of kneeling before Jesus in public would have been the ultimate embarrassment and ridicule for this ruler. But he was so desperate for Jesus to heal his daughter, who had just died, that he was willing to get on his knees, humble himself for the sake of his daughter's life. This father's love for his daughter was so overwhelming that he was willing to put it all on the line, kneeling before Jesus, the only one that could save her. When I was in the hospital with my daughter, Caroline, I noticed that I was praying harder and longer than I typically do. I was praying for her pain to stop and her healing to come. And what I've come to realize now, years later, is that this experience actually forced me in my desperation to seek Jesus, not just then, but in my desperate moments ahead in life. And it really helped me with my walk with God. So how does Jesus respond to us in our desperation? Let's look at verses 19 through 22 together and see. And Jesus rose and followed him with his disciples. And behold, a woman who had suffered from a discharge of blood for 12 years came up behind him 
and touched the fringe of his garment. For she said to herself, if only I can touch his garment, I will be made well. Jesus turned and seeing her, he said, take heart, daughter. Your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. So Jesus rose. What, what, I, what I want to point out about this word rose is that he didn't just stand there and stare down at Jairus kneeling at him, you know, letting Jairus gravel at the bottom of his feet. If he rose, that, mean he, that means he was down. So either he knelt down with him face to face, or maybe he just got down in some fashion, but I see him down there with Jairus staring at him, looking into his eyes, letting him know that he was with him. I feel God staring at Jairus, letting him experience his love. I can just imagine Jesus kneeling there and then saying to him, all right, they get up, maybe he puts his arm around him and he says, all right, let's go. He looks at his disciples and he says, let's go heal his daughter. So what we see here is that even in our desperation, Jesus always meets us, that he's accessible to Jairus and that he's acceptable to us. Even in a crowd, even in this crazy world that we live in and love. But Jairus is not the only desperate person in this story. We just read about the woman who was hemorrhaging blood for 12 years. She too was desperate for Jesus to heal her and believed that if she could just touch his cloak, that she would be healed. And she too went through the crowd and fell at the feet of Jesus. We know from Mark and Luke that she spent all her money and that she went to a lot of doctors to try to heal but nothing worked. This was a woman who was sick from constant bleeding and needed help. She was a person who most people would not consider important enough to be, to be helped. This sickness would have also made her unclean and a social outcast. Others would not go near her, and if someone did, they would be considered unclean as well. In Leviticus chapter 15, 19 through 33, the Lord gives... Moses and Aaron, the laws about bodily discharges like this. So the teachers and the Pharisees in that day, they would not go near this woman for this reason. They would not take the chance of becoming accidentally unclean themselves. And unfortunately, this practice is still seen today in many Middle Eastern cultures. Because of her condition, she was unimportant in the Jewish society she would have had an increase in her desperation to touch Jesus because she was such an outcast. She was willing to go into the crowd, fight through the crowd where she did not belong, take the chance of being thrown out of the community and even the risk of being stoned. There's two main relationships that we were created for. There's God, the divine relationship, And there's the relationship with our neighbors to be in community. 
Her illness cut her off from both. But Jesus said to her, Take heart, daughter. Your faith has made you well. And she was now healed and reconciled back to the Father. She was no longer cut off from God or her neighbors, and she was now fully restored as Jesus raised her up. Did you notice what Jesus calls her? He calls her daughter. He's acknowledging her as his daughter, adopting her as a child into his family. Jesus had reconciled her back to God the Father. I can just imagine Jesus saying through the crowd, who touched me? As she touches his cloak to be healed, the power goes out from Jesus. Jesus turns around and says, who touched me into the crowd? This woman must have had to come through the crowd again. I'm sure she was terrified because of Jesus' request. When she got through, Jesus looked at her. And I could just picture him looking at her with his loving eyes saying, daughter, your faith has made you well. And instantly, when he said that, she was healed, both physically and spiritually. Our passage today has led us to this moment of this woman being healed. And now we're going to go back to the miracle story of Jesus healing Jairus' daughter that our passage started with. So let's look at verses 23 through 26 together. And when Jesus came to the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the crowd making a commotion, he said, go away for the girl is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But when the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took her by the hand and the girl arose. And the report went throughout the district. Here we see Jesus going to Jairus' house and healing his daughter. He went in, he took her by the hand, and the girl arose. In Mark's version, in chapter 5, verse 41, it says that Jesus took her by the hand and said, Little girl, I say to you, arise. And just then, the girl gets up and looks at Jesus. And I just picture Jesus putting out his hand as a girl lays dead on the bed. He grabs her hand with his loving touch, and he says, little girl, arise. And he lifts her up looks at her. I just think about what that little girl must have experienced in that moment. It must have been so powerful for her to experience the love of the Father in that moment. Sometimes I wonder what that daughter did, what her experience was, or what her experience was after that. I'm sure she was a, a follower of Jesus 
In our passage today, we see Jesus healing them both, resurrecting them, saving them, raising them up, and restoring them back to God the Father. One of the Greek words for healing is sozo, which refers to total healing, total freedom, and total wholeness of heart. It also means wholeness in spirit, soul, and body. And in Christ Jesus, it also includes the forgiveness of sins. Here in today's passage, it is used both for physical healing, to be freed from our suffering, and for spiritual salvation, to go in peace. So back to the hospital with my daughter, Caroline. I remember experiencing the love of the Father on that Easter Sunday in the hospital. I remember crying in the hallways in my desperation with my wife and by myself. Again, it was the afternoon of Easter Sunday, and our senior pastor at the time, Pastor Chuck, and his wife, Ingrid Davis, they both came in that Sunday afternoon, which really touched me, touched us that they would come on Easter Sunday into the city. And we prayed for Caroline. We laid hands on her leg. And I just remember when we were praying, I just experienced this peace in the midst of it all for the first time since the accident. I felt this comfort in their presence, but I also felt comfort in God's presence because I remember him coming in and consuming us. You may be wondering this morning, how does Jesus respond to you in your desperation? Well, Jesus actually became desperate too, for you and for me. Jesus came down from his throne And in Philippians 2, 7 through 8, it says, He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by being obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. See, Jesus humbled himself because Jesus wants to raise up his daughters and his sons from death to life. Did you know that Jesus asked the Father three times to let this cup pass from him? In Scripture, in Matthew 26, verse 39, it says, Jesus fell on his face and prayed, saying, My Father, if it's possible... Let this cup pass from me. He did that three times. It says in scripture, he fell on his face and said to the father, let this cup pass from me if it's possible. But the father said no to Jesus because of his love for us. And because it was the father's will, Jesus said yes to God's plan. And then Jesus was raised up 
and is now sitting at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us. So why did he do it? Well, the same reason Jairus did, is he wants his daughters and his sons back. It's because of the Father's love for us. Jesus came to restore us back to the Father and to redeem us. Jesus would do anything to bring us from death to life. In Matthew 8.17, it says, Jesus took our infirmities and bore our sickness, that he himself took our infirmities and bore our sickness because of his great love for us. See, we, we are the dead daughter in this story, dead in our trespasses, dead in our sins. But Jesus, Jesus forgave our sins, and he has the power to redeem us. He has the power to redeem our suffering, our sin. He raises us up in our moments of desperation. I want to share something with you guys. Whenever the memory of the accident with my daughter Caroline on the trampoline comes up, whether it's in conversation or however it may pop up, it's still traumatic for me to hear about it. But what I do is when it does come up, I picture, I envision Jesus standing there with us on that trampoline. I envision him standing there looking at my daughter, saying, I got her, and I love her. And then looking at me and saying, I got you too, and I love you too. And envisioning that, it brings me comfort. It brings me peace that in my desperation, that Jesus is there with us. It's a really powerful thing to know that Jesus is with you in those times. And envisioning him is the way forward for me. Today, Caroline is fully healed. She is a thriving sophomore at Florida State University. And she's an amazing daughter of God. We all have moments of desperation in our lives. Maybe you've had desperation in the past, or maybe you have something desperate right now in your life. It could be a sickness or a disease. It could be financial. It could be a relationship. It could be something going on with your children. The good news is that Jesus is here, that he is here with us now. So I want to take this opportunity to invite Jesus in. I want to invite Jesus in to come and meet us in these spaces, whether it's old or new. 
Let's invite him into these spaces, memories, or situations. So I'd like us to go ahead and close your eyes, just for a moment. Those of you who are watching online, you too, you can go ahead and close your eyes for a moment. Go ahead and take a deep breath, and then let it out, slowly. Now with your eyes closed, whatever that desperate moment is for you, whether in the past or today, ask Jesus to meet you in this place. Envision him there with you. What is he showing you? What is he saying to you? Know that Jesus is always here to meet you, that he's always accessible to you, that he wants to meet you in these moments and these times, and that he loves you dearly, and that he will raise you up. Amen. To learn more about the mission and vision of Stanwich Church and how you can get involved, please visit stanwichchurch.org.